0: and the video.
1: the remains of Cindy van der and Chevy Wheeler were found in February 2012, there was renewed interest in the Speed Freak Killers case. The huge maps that Shermantine was drawing were accurate. It was time to look into other locations that he had marked. It was time to bring home the other missing people, to end this horrendous ordeal for those families that had spent years not knowing what happened to their loved ones. Surely with the assistance of Shermantine and his maps, along with the correct resources, this should be relatively simple, shouldn't it? A number of the locations identified on the maps were wells. Across the world, the disposal of bodies in wells has happened throughout history, so it is certainly not unique to this case. Wells are easy dump sites for numerous reasons. They are easily accessible and it is very easy to dump something into a well without being spotted. There is no digging involved, so the use of a well for disposal purposes is very quick. Multiple bodies can be disposed of in the same location due to the depth of wells. There are many reports of wells being used for disposing of bodies in Mexico. Just last year, 41 bodies were found in a mass grave in a well in Mexico. Residents called the police after they smelled a bad odor and there was increasing fly activity around the well. The well was excavated and authorities found 119 plastic bags dumped in there filled with human remains forensic examiners spent a couple of weeks painstakingly separating the remains piecing together 13 complete bodies 16 partial bodies six heads and six torsos that belonged to different people also in mexico in 2019 workers cleaning storm drains of mud and debris came across plastic bags that gave off a horrendous odour. The authorities investigated and pulled 20 bodies out of the storm drain. In 2017, the body of my friend's brother was found in a well. Steve went missing while on a night out with his friends in the busy tourist town of Malia in Crete. It was 11 years before his remains were found down a well, very close to where he went missing. In Cyprus in the 1960s and 1970s, there was a period of conflict which resulted in 493 Turkish Cypriots and 1,508 Greek Cypriots being reported missing. Since 2005, the bicommunal forensics team of the Committee on Missing Persons in Cyprus have excavated 114 wells and recovered a total of 195 of those that went missing from 35 of these wells. We will be referring to their article about their process for the excavation in this episode. You can find a link to it in the show notes.
2: And we can go back a lot further and find examples of wells being used as graves. In 2014, a team of archaeologists were excavating a Gallo Romano site in Burgundy, France. Five months in, They had uncovered stone houses, hot and cold Roman baths, an iron working shop, and a stretch of Roman road. They also excavated two wells, and it was in one of the 1,200-year-old wells they came across human remains. The grave was found about 13 feet from the ground surface and went down a further 12 feet. It held around 30 bodies. There were men women, and children, and it is thought that they were all buried around the same time. It is suspected that originally bodies were piled into the well until it was full, and over the years, through compression and decomposition, the remains had moved further down. The remains that were found were radiocarbon dated, and it was discovered that they belonged to people from the 8th and 10th century. AD there are a number of theories on who killed these villagers the most likely of these are first that they were massacred during the war of secession waged by the three sons of Louis the pious in 841 AD second that they were massacred by Viking Crusaders who invaded the area in the middle of the 9th century and the final theory is that they died naturally from an epidemic, though there was no known epidemics at this time. When we started working on this case and learned about the wells, we felt that it was important to find out how you go about excavating a well. With a deep, narrow structure, this certainly presents a challenge to those who need to perform these duties. If there are no suspected human remains in a well, then it's pretty easy, as long as you have a clear sight. You can use heavy machinery to ensure the excavating is dealt with swiftly and efficiently. However, when you suspect there are human remains in the well, you have to be very careful, as you need to preserve the scene and the remains as much as possible. So, with the Shermantine's map marking the location of burial sites, this is the approach that should have been taken here.
1: We were hoping to speak to a specialist in excavating burial sites, including wells, for this episode, so that she could explain the process to us. Unfortunately, she has been called away at the last minute, so is unable to help at this time. She has, however, provided us with some useful information of how a well site suspected to contain human remains would be dealt with. Before any digging starts, there should be an excavation plan drawn up. Firstly, it is important to establish if there may be human remains in the well. A ground survey should then be carried out to establish the soil type, how much rock there is in the soil, along with how dry the land is, risk of movement, etc. This helps to establish what machinery is suitable for the type of ground that is being excavated and what machinery it is safe to use on the site. This is critical. As well as preserving the site as much as possible, It is important to ensure that all workers on the site remain safe and are not subjected to any unexpected land movement. Next, the type of well needs to be established. Is it a dry well or a wet well? And if it is a wet well, is it a spring well? Again, these are critical for safety reasons and also to establish what machinery is suitable for the site. Water can be lethal on a site and it can cause the walls of the well to collapse if heavy machinery is too close. Finally, establishing the depth of the well is key. This can be done with various equipment and also asking landowners or locals if they have any knowledge. Once all of the key areas have been assessed, then an excavation plan can be written up, detailing the type of equipment that will be used and why, along with instructions of how the site should be handled.
2: Once an excavation plan has been written up and agreed, the excavation process can begin. The process is difficult and time-consuming due to the depths of wells. A large area around the well is often required to be dug up to ensure that it is safe to continue digging and to enable people to get to any remains that are deep in the well. The process usually starts with a machine to break up hard ground around the top of the well with the goal of creating an access ramp soil from the area is taken out along with any loose soil around the dig site ideally the well will be opened up on all sides but due to restrictions on sites this may not always be possible but at least three sides should be accessible this makes the dig quicker and also safer as the excavation processes a flat area next to the well is created. This is used for filtering soil that comes up from both inside and outside the well to look for bones or other artifacts. This area is called a pocket. During this stage, the machine doing the excavation should not touch the sediment inside the well. As the excavation gets deeper, the ramps get steeper and the excavator starts to also dig the actual well, rather than just around it. When this happens, debris can fall into the well. Therefore, before there is any change in ramp level, archaeologists mark the inside of the well with pigs, so they know that they have already checked everything above that level. We have obtained a great diagram that explains how the dig would look as it progresses which can be found on our Facebook page. As soon as human remains are located, no further deep digging is done with the heavy machinery. The area around the well is cleaned of loose soil and made as large as possible to allow safe access for those excavating the remains. There are various methods of achieving this, but it is key to ensure that the area is safe before any further work is carried out on the site. Human remains should then be photographed in sight before being carefully excavated by hand, being clearly bagged and labeled as each piece is lifted to ensure integrity of the remains and to avoid mixed remains wherever possible. To quote S. Blau and J. Sternberg, who wrote the Encyclopedia of Forensic and Legal Medicine, the 2nd edition, 2016. The primary goal of any excavation should be the complete reconstruction of the scene itself and the relationship of any human remains and evidential artifacts to any disturbance or features excavated on the site. To undertake such a task carelessly may render the information useless for a court of law, and may make eventual identification and determination of cause and manner of death impossible. It should be noted that this information is not specific to the sites mentioned in the Speed Freak Killers case. It is an example from a scientific source on how such an excavation would take place, so that you can understand more of what happens in the rest of this episode.
1: As we have said before, Schermontine's maps were huge and very detailed, so where to start? Law enforcement decided to start their investigations with a well marked as Loren's Boneyard, which was east of Linden. Schermontine said that there were multiple bodies disposed of in this well. So just days after Cindy's and Chevy's remains were discovered, heavy machinery arrived at the site of Loren's Boneyard to start excavating. The site was overseen by the local sheriff's office. The excavators kept digging deeper and deeper and then... the excavator bucket came up with an arm bone in a jacket hanging out of it. By the end of the dig there were over 300 bones, skull fragments and personal items such as shoes, purses and jewellery found. Some of the remains were later identified as those of Joanne Hobson who went missing on the 29th of August 1985 Age just 16 others were identified as those of kimberly ann billy who went missing on the 11th of december 1984 age 19. and the third remains were those of a pregnant black female along with her fetus this lady has never been identified but with all the damage and so many fragments how do we know there were not others in that well we spoke to joanne's sister michelle about how her and her mother, Miss Shelley, found out about the dig. Chanda
3: Bassett straight up told my mom and me in a car. Chanda calls me. Michelle, can you and your mom meet me at Ronaldi's? Be right there. we got to wait for mom to get here from Manteca. So I drive mom out there. We get into a car, and she takes us the back way, like the longest way ever to get there and so we go up the hill and we stop in the middle we're right in front of those eucalyptus trees and the uh backhoe is over there and she goes this is where we believe joanne is
1: michelle says that her and her mother were taken to the site and told that was where police suspected joanne was so how did the police know that joanne was down that well because she knew she knew joanne was there and i think it was from the The letters and
3: and everything that they had from Wesley that they pinpointed it was there. And I don't know how she was so steadfast. Joanne's there. My mom was like, they're not going to dig Joanne up like that with that either. She's like, no, 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 no. And my mom's getting hysterical. I'm like, mom, calm down. We have to, my mom had a very uh, bad reaction to Chandra Bassett from the moment she met her. I was more like, she's a police officer, she's trying to help us, let's just do, you know, I'm trying to keep everything calm because mom, when mom gets riled, it's hard to bring her down. So I'm like, no, mom, listen, they're gonna dig. They're gonna dig until they find her. And then she goes, yeah, we're gonna dig until we hit bones, and then we're, everything's gonna stop. And then a whole nother group of people are gonna come in and we're gonna dig with our hands and pull them out. And I said, Mom, it's going to be like like a dinosaur dig. You know, they get the, the paintbrushes and they brush the dirt away so they don't mess it up. That was my thought when she said that, too. And I'm trying to get my mom to picture it and be more okay with what's going to happen. And so my mom's like, oh, okay. Mom says, I want to be here when they're doing that. And they said, no, you can't be here. Nobody can be here, we're not gonna let anybody in. And they had the roads closed from one end to the other of those streets, so okay. So they take us back and mom gets, get mom in the car and I'm talking to her and she goes home and all that. Everything's halfway okay, mom's good. So then it's like, I think it's like almost February, probably 11th, I get a call and I'm like, yeah. She goes, Michelle, we found Bones, we found Joanne. Okay. She goes, Can you call your mom and tell her? And everything I had to tell my mom. None of them told my mom anything. I had to be the teller to my mom. So then we get my phone and I come home. And on the TV, it's nothing but news coverage of them digging and bones hanging out and them dropping them on the ground like this. And I'm like, I fell to the floor, and I have never felt that weak or that sensation that I felt. I I literally fell to the floor and was on my knees, and I was like, oh my god, I gotta find my mom. I gotta call her. She can't see this. I get a hold of my mom, Mom, you cannot watch TV, because I knew if she saw that, that would be the end. So. She goes home, and she saw it on TV.
2: This episode is brought to you by Best Fiends. After you finish listening to this new episode, you have an entire 14 days that you have to wait for our next one to drop. I don't want you to have to sit in the dark, alone, fiddling your thumbs because you're sad and you have absolutely nothing to do while you wait. Sure, you could go online and try going down the rabbit holes related to our case, but when your brain and your browser tabs are full, it might just be the perfect time to take a load off. That's when I personally like to clear a few levels on Best Fiends. I've shared with you before that I compete with my mom and my brother each day to see who can reign supreme. I just opened up my game, and I noticed that my brother Josh is two levels above me right now. He must have snuck up on me overnight. Well, that will change once I'm done recording this. Seriously, take out your phone right now, go to your app store, simply search for Best Fiends, download it for free, and make sure to add me on Facebook, so we can compete. With over 100 million downloads, this 5-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must-play. Befriend a cast of fiends who help you solve each level and defeat the slugs. Download Best Fiends free, today, on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends, without the R. Best Fiends. Foul Play is also brought to you by Hunt a Killer. Do you ever watch scary movies and yell at the screen, Don't go there! Or... Don't split up. With Hunt a Killer's new Blair Witch game, it'd be your chance to see how you'd fare in a horror movie. Hunt a Killer has partnered with Lionsgate to bring a story to life that takes place in the Blair Witch universe. And it's scary. With each delivery, you'll piece together the history of the Blair Witch by sifting through cryptic documents, discovering audio recordings, and solving some disturbing puzzles. It's like a terrifying escape room, delivered right to your door. I found that it's the perfect group activity. Although you can play it by yourself, I chose to play with a small group of friends for our ritual game night. In this story, a woman needs your help to find her missing son. The box includes all kinds of documents, and my friends and I dived in as the detectives. The clues weren't always easy, and some took some time, but honestly, it was the most fun. We have ever had playing a game of any kind. We all worked together, and when we finally found the answer, it felt so rewarding. This is the perfect mix of solving a true crime case with elements of downright spookiness. I can't recommend it enough. After you join, make sure you join me in the Facebook group to play along with us all. We don't give anything away, but we can all do it together and help each other along. I'm waiting on my second box. Each day, my friends message me asking me if it's here yet. I think they're excited too. Right now, just for our listeners, you can go to huntakiller.com slash foul. Use promo code foul, that's F-O-U-L, at checkout for 20% off your first box. So do it. Head to huntakiller.com slash foul, F-O-U-L, for 20% off. And to show your support for our podcast, huntakiller.com slash foul. See if you can survive the curse of the Blair Witch.
1: So just to summarize, Miss Shelley was told by the police that her daughter, Joanne Hobson, was probably in this well that was being dug. She wasn't allowed to get out at the site to watch the dig despite pleading with the police. She was promised that once they got to the bones, they would start hand digging and that the heavy machinery would be stopped. And then, Miss Shelley sees her daughter's arm bone hanging out of the bucket of an excavator on the evening news.
2: So, the police kept digging and digging with the excavator, scoop after scoop, crushing and breaking the bones that they were digging up. Rather than ending up with complete or almost complete skeletons, excavated slowly and carefully from their place of rest, they ended up with piles and piles of mixed, broken bones. We spoke to Miss Shelley about the dig and how the sheriff's office dealt with her and the family during this time. Miss Shelley, you said that the sheriff was horrible to all of you. Is that correct?
4: Everything that come out of his mouth was a lie. Everything. He could sit on the news and stare right into that camera and just tell lies, you know? And I knew they were lies. Just like when he found out that uh, Joanne had been mixed with other people. Oh, I wasn't aware of that at all. And he sure was aware of it because of the way they dug her up. You know, and mixed them all together because when I first went up there, when they took me up to the well and said that they thought Joanne was in that well. And I wanted to get out of the car, but they wouldn't let me out of the car because they said it was a crime scene. So I wasn't allowed to get out of the car. And I got hysterical when I saw that backhoe and I told Chandra Bassett, I will not let you dig my child up with those steel teeth. And I just got historical, and she said, Michelle Shelley, calm down, calm down. This is what we're gonna do. When we dig the well, as soon as we hit bones, we're gonna come to a complete stop. We're gonna bring in a whole new team, I guess it's anthropologists, bring in a whole new team, and we're gonna hand remove, you know, the bones and stuff like that. Well, they never did. I'm under the understanding that Sheriff Moore had talked to the county which was doing the dig and told them they had discussed that maybe, you know, there might be other people in and, you know, if they used that, it would, you know, mix everybody together. And he gave, he gave the okay to just go ahead and do it anyway. And then on the TV, he acted like he was shocked. Oh, no.
2: We asked Miss Shelley what happened when she saw the arm bone hanging out of the bucket of the excavator on the TV.
4: I just almost lost my mind when I looked on the TV. My daughter had been trying to call me. She said, Mom, do not cut on the TV. I said, why? She said, Mom, do not cut on the TV, please. But I cut on the TV anyway, and I saw them digging up and with those steel claws and just digging into the ground and moving the back hole over and just dropping. You could see the bones dropping on the ground and everything else. And I felt like they had just re-killed my child all over again. I thought I was losing my mind. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. They did one dig and uh, a coat came out of that in the dirt and there was an arm bone hanging out of a coat. And I thought that that coat was Joanne's, even to this day, I believe it was Joanne's coat.
2: Detective Chandra Bassett was the one who told Michelle and Miss Shelley that they thought Joanne was down the well. This is what Miss Shelley would like to say to her.
4: From woman to woman, I feel like that, I don't know if she had to lie or what, but I don't appreciate being lied to the way I was. And if it had been her child, she would have felt the same way that I did. Well, that's how I feel. So as far as I'm concerned, I have no use for her, which is bad to say. And I have no use for Sheriff Moore either. And had they have not lied and had they have not done all the things that they did to destroy the remains and the evidence of my daughter and the other people in that well, there would have never been a lawsuit. I would have never have sued them. But it's All the deceitful and the lies and all that, that brought me to the point. Because they lied to me when they said they were going to hand remove them. And then they just dug them up and threw them on the ground like they were garbage. That's what made me get mad. Because I am Joanne's mother and I will protect her, whether she's dead or alive. I thought it was so disrespectful, you know, of the way they handle it not professional at all. That sure works for the people of San Joaquin County, not for his own self-deliverance or whatever he was getting out of it. And I think it was horrible. I think it was horrible. And all the families that their loved ones, you know, I want them to find their loved ones and get them back. And I feel that Joanne, by her being identified like she was, I feel like she was a vessel to bring me other people back home.
2: Miss Shelley wanted to make sure she had all of Joanne's remains before she buried her daughter, and she wanted to make sure that any remains she was given was definitely those of Joanne. Unfortunately, Kimberly and Billy's mother was not aware of the circumstances of the dig. Miss Shelley told us what happened.
4: Yeah, she was identified in the well, too, and her mother lives out of state. And from what I, I don't know. From what I understand, with it is they notified Kimberly Billy's mother and told her that her remains had been found in the well, and that they would go ahead and cremate her and send her the remains. And so she let them do that, not knowing. Everything that was going on with, you know, people were mixed together and stuff like that. So they denied uh, Mrs. Billy of knowing the truth about her case, too. And another thing that made me get even madder was I had to wait like seven or eight months after they had found Joanne to get her remains because Chandra Bassett had told me that Joanne was so young and had been in that well for 27 years that the, you know, the heat and the moisture and everything like that diluted her, you know, DNA. So they had to send away for microchondrial DNA. And so that's why it had taken me so long to get her remains back. But then I found out that my lawyer told me when I had told him that and I'm sure they probably did send her for mitochondrial DNA but my lawyer told me that, that they identified Joanne by her teeth so I don't know what was the purpose of that unless they were trying to hide some kind of evidence or something
2: bounty hunter Rob Dick tells us how he heard about the dig
4: um
0: so then the next thing was a dig because you remember they had the map, so they went straight to the dig next. And they had already had, remember like I told you how that they, you know, they keep it contained, there was already a squad car out there, you know, because they had the map. So that's where we knew where the dig was gonna go next. Now what nobody really knew is I'd already talked to Tony that lives there mm-hmm. before this. And so I went out and talked to Tony in the driveway and I'm like, have you, you know, do you have any mines on your property? He's like, No, there's no mines, they're all on the foothills. I said, well, how about wells? And he said, well, there's a well right there. And that was the one they dug, but it was only about this big at the time. I'm like, that's a well? And he's like, yeah, these are, that's how he found out those, are the hand dug ones, you know, six by seven feet, two guys dig like 40 feet down and get water. And then when that dries up in a couple months, they go over here and dig another one. So they're all over the place. I said, well, what about in the middle of the driveway? He says, nah, I don't think so. Um, He goes, I mean, I don't know, when I got this property, they had made the driveway. Before that, it was a dirt driveway, and then we had the house built. But when I got it, there wasn't anything here. But he said, but they are all over, so quite possibly, because most of them are filled in now. And so um, they started doing the dig, and we could see from the aerials that they're not digging in the middle of the driveway. And we're like, what the hell? So, like I said, every day, Garcia's over here going, we're getting to the bottom, but we haven't got there yet. And then we're over here going, they're digging the wrong hole. And then they're over here going, don't listen to those guys. We're the ones in uniform. We know what we're doing. And then we're over here going, well, look at the map. The they're digging here. The X is here. <laughs> I don't know. So, West is calling, he's seeing it. He's like, what are they doing? That, that's crazy, what are they doing there? Making me have to look, be like a liar? Is that what they're doing? I'm like, I don't know, Wes, could it be like before that we're off and maybe it's here, not there? He's like, no, center of the driveway without a doubt, 25 bodies. They don't wanna find the 25 bodies, do they? And I said, I don't know, Wes, I, I can't explain it. I don't know, you tell me. And I actually got a little sick feeling about are they digging the wrong hole on purpose? because we didn't know why they were digging at the time. Now we know it was because of the letter back in 2010, two years before. And yeah. it was September 7th, 2010, that Wes wrote Barbara the letter saying there was three bodies in the hole by the road. She called Kathleen, gave Kathleen the letter. Kathleen took the letter to Moore, personally handed it to him. Then three days later were all the deletions. That was 2010, but none of us knew all this then. This comes out later. Right now we're just like, why are they digging the wrong hole? We don't know why they're digging. Wes doesn't know why they're digging because he's obviously drawn a very distinct map in the middle of the driveway, blah, blah. So we're going back and forth, back and forth. Before they get to the bottom, Wes calls me and he says, look, they want to play, let's play. I'm gonna tell you what they're gonna find in that well. You put it out to the media before they get there and that'll give me credibility on it. I said, okay, what are they gonna find? And he says, three women and a baby. And I record it and I give it to the media. Media came into this office and listened to it and put it out there. And then of course, what did they find? Three women and a baby, just like it said. Now I can say it was a purposeful destruction of evidence. Back then I wasn't comfortable saying that (laughs) ever because it took years to figure this out. But you know, very horrible dig with heavy machinery that obviously destroyed everything that was down there. And this was news footage that was put out there, you know. So everybody saw this on the news. It was just a very horrible thing. And then, of course, obviously, who was found? Joanne, Kim Billy. Now, Kim Billy took me by a little bit of shock because she's on my list, but I actually started with Chevy. So I went from Chevy forward and concentrated between Chevy going missing in 85 Till when they went into custody, March 18, 1999. Kim Billy went missing December of 84. So that was before. And then, of course, the third person is the, according to Wes, black pregnant female prostitute from Wilson Way that was full-term pregnant, cut the baby out, threw the baby in the hole, shot her in the head, put her in the hole.
2: Marty Carlson, retired from the San Joaquin County Sheriff's Department, tells us what he thought about this dig.
5: You know, people disappear. These things happen. You don't want them to, but they do, unfortunately. This happens all over the country. But the one thing that I think that was the way they excavated those bodies, it was just a disrespectful way of doing that. And that James Hemiel, Hemiel is his name, James Hemiel from the DOJ, once I saw him testify in this other Carson case... I understand why some of those decisions were made. He's a clown. He was testing the ground and he used a T-bar, a metal bar with a T-handle to see how hard the ground was. He wasn't using any sophisticated equipment. He didn't take any core samples. He didn't take any uh, DNA samples. He didn't test for anything. He stuck a stick in the ground. That's it. Then they compounded it with wanting to give the remains back with whose remains, I don't know. And then wanted to destroy them and within 24 hours and they kept playing this game and you're finding the remains and then you decimate them like the way they did and handled it the way they did.